0: guilt for not recovering sooner, feeling shame for having opportunities to recover in the past from bulimia, or just for the time you spent in your eating disorder and maybe having windows of opportunity where you could have recovered and you didn't do it, or just being it in general. I know that a lot of people struggle with that. I had a conversation with someone about that this week, and I want to discuss it a little bit, um, why maybe you didn't do that and how to process that pain and um, kind of move on from it. Something that uh, I find helpful to look at is viewing bulimia as kind of an abusive relationship, a controlling partner, if you will. Now, a side note, a personal story, something I like to do, this relates to the episode, I promise, Um, something I really like to do is listen to audiobooks. And I like listening to informative audiobooks, but it also is kind of some way to relax, unwind, or just build a bit of comfort. Like Let's say I'm doing a task and I don't feel like mentally working hard or learning anything new, but I want to listen to something for some comfort. I will typically listen to books that I've already listened to before, and particularly fiction books that I find really helpful. Sometimes I'll fall asleep to them, just like that sort of book can help or I'll read. But lately I've been listening to audiobooks before I go to bed. Um, and typically the ones I do, I'm a real nerd. I love Harry Potter. So I've read the Harry Potter books. I've listened to the Harry Potter books. So some, sometimes I'll throw one of those on because I've heard it before and it's comforting. I do enjoy the story, but For those of you guys that grew up, you were a child in, you know, the 2000s, Twilight was all the rage then, and I read it as a middle schooler, and I absolutely loved it, and Edward, I'll be the first to admit, was like my first storybook crush, of course, Um, (laughs) and so I had the audiobook, I listened to it to a few, maybe in 2017. So it's been a while. And I decided, why not? Let's listen to Twilight. We love making fun of the movie. It's hilarious. I I love the Twilight movie. For those of you guys that are fans, I'm not trying to bash. just think it's funny, comical in a way too. But anyway, I'm like, I'll listen to Twilight. Why not? Why not? Something different, a little bit new that I haven't listened to before. See what I think now. And I was appalled at how controlling and abusive Edward was. It's like a horrible, abusive relationship. I'll just come out and say it. Edward is this psycho. You know, not only is he like way older than her, but um, he's also just like, doesn't, he controls her. He doesn't let her think for herself. He um, is constantly threatening her, doing weird things, telling her what she should think and feel. It's a weird on so many levels. And I can't believe I didn't pick up on that as a middle schooler. But of course, I didn't because I was, um, you know, a little bit more naive. I was younger. I just thought that having a relationship was something good. I was insecure. All those reasons why I could have gotten swept up into an abusive relationship. And no shame to Stephanie Meyer, but Edward, I think, is definitely not a healthy partner to have. And when I was thinking about this, I was also thinking about bulimia and I was thinking about how Bella stays in this abusive relationship with Edward, becomes obsessed with Edward. Edward becomes her world quickly. And of course, this is a storybook. This isn't real life. But I think that that can happen really quickly in bulimia and just in abusive relationships in general. You feel like even though you know there are problems, even though like Bella, constantly scared of Edward, doesn't like everything he does, gets angry at sometimes when he's controlling of her, but she doesn't speak up for herself. Why? Because she thinks that the benefits outweigh the cons. She thinks that Edward is the most amazing thing that she will ever have. And she, I mean, he is a vampire. So I get that eternal life, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, But she really does. She thinks she can't do any better. She thinks that it's everything she's going to have. So of course she puts up with it. And I think bulimia or eating disorders in general, I always compare them when I'm coaching people or my program, you'll know that there's a theme. That's why I say my program is breaking up, break up with bulimia program, because it's like, it's this relationship, this abusive relationship, and you think it is your world, you think that it is helping you, you think that it is the only thing that really makes you happy, that makes you feel better, that makes you feel okay, or you just think that it is actually bad, but you don't think you have the power to leave it for various reasons, that is generally why you stay. And in abusive relationships, not always, I'm not, you know, there are, different definitely nuances in abusive relationships sometimes like you actually physically cannot leave because the abuse is so bad there's there's lots of things there so hopefully you guys that are maybe have been in part of those relationships that don't see what i'm saying hopefully that's making sense but in abusive relationships A lot of times it comes from the people believing in some shape or form that they cannot leave or they're never going to do any better. It preys on your insecurities. And bulimia is very much similar to the Edward Bella relationship or any other abusive relationship. So bringing it back to feeling guilty for not necessarily recovering when maybe you had opportunities, just like people that are in abusive relationships, they typically have opportunities and they continually have new opportunities to leave um, this person that is abusing them. And most of the time they are somewhat aware that is going on. If not hyper aware that they're in abuse and they feel shame for letting themselves be abused, just like we feel shame for spending time with our eating disorders. I want you first to try to understand why you maybe stayed with your eating disorder, even if there were clear cut opportunities that you could have left. And I'll give an example. The person that I talked to this week, I asked her outright, you know, well, what was the reason that when you had this opportunity, why do you think you didn't leave? What, Why did you feel like recovery still was not the right option for you? And she said it came down to really not believing that it was going to be worth it or it was going to be possible that she was guaranteed this future of being happier without it. And I think that speaks volumes to how a lot of us feel. A lot of times when I was, first of all, when you walk into an eating disorder, you don't think, oh, I'm I'm super excited to ruin my life. I'm super excited to have um, this relationship with food that's never, ever normal again. And then I can never think clearly about it. And then I constantly want to binge and purge or cope with food. No, you just think this is the option that I have right now, right here. When I first binge and purge in my adult life for the first time, um, I didn't think this is a good idea. I knew it wasn't a good idea. I knew it was dangerous. I knew it was bad. I knew that I couldn't tell anyone about it. But the reason that I did it was because I thought this is my only option. My weight had been yo-yoing for years and I was constantly losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight. I already, my my self-esteem was in the gutter. And then I had just lost a bunch of weight and I had just binged on accident. And then looking at myself, I felt like even though this isn't the best option, we cannot control ourselves. This is the only way we can monitor our food intake. This is the only way we can maintain our weight. That's legitimately what I thought. I was backed into a corner and I felt like that was my only option. And that's why I fell into it. And then things escalated from there. And there were opportunities where maybe I could have recovered, but I felt like I didn't have the strength, I didn't have the self-control, I didn't have the willpower, I didn't have whatever it is I thought I needed to recover. I felt like it wasn't there for me. So I want to invite you firstly to understand, well, why didn't you do that? Of course, there was a choice at that time, but probably not a choice you felt like you had. You could have done it, yes, but you could have, would have, should have, right? You didn't do it and you didn't do it for certain reasons, one, there's no sense in regretting it because you can't really change it anyway. But then also you probably made that choice because you thought ultimately it was the best option you had. Maybe it wasn't the most rational decision ever, but it was that decision. Maybe it was from built from false beliefs, but it was what you believed at the time. There's no sense in shaming yourself for it when you really were doing the best you possibly could. Um, and I think it's good to have compassion for your older self when it comes to that. I'm doing that a lot now as I'm going through places that I used to be bulim- bulimic at and kind of experiencing those memories. The other day when I walked into the grocery store, I saw the uh, apple pies that they had there. And I don't know why, but like I really like fruit pies. My mom always made them. Um, so that was definitely like apple pie from the grocery store was definitely a binge food for me. And I just... It made me feel, again, nauseous. I'm like, I can't have that. Even though it looks like it could be tasty, something about it revolted me. And I'm just trying to have compassion that that was my life. I used to binge on apple pies and I could have maybe stopped doing that, but I didn't know any better. And that's what it was. So anyway, I think trying to look for, okay, why didn't you do that? But then the other thing is like, let's say you've made peace, but okay, we understand why we, we were in it. But that doesn't change the fact that we were in it for so long that we could have recovered sooner, maybe that we've lost time. And like I said, in the um, previous episode, you're right. There's nothing that's going to change that. What I told this person in our group coaching and what I'll tell you guys here is that there's a time to feel sad about it and that there's a time to just pick it up and move on. And what I've been doing is not trying to force myself to feel happy per se, but I've I've been allowing myself to feel sad when I notice the times when I think about that I've lost to bulimia, but then I've been like, okay, cool. Now let's move forward. Let's do what we want to do. We can't spend all day in this. I also will say, let's say that you knew that there were better options out there. You knew recovery probably would have been a better option. Like for me for a long time, I kind of knew that I needed to stop restricting. And I knew that intuitive eating was probably something I should try. It's not like it was this new concept to me when I first started trying it actually, but I didn't do it for a long time. And you can spend time shaming yourself for that, that the option was so easy, just like an abusive relationship, say that you really just need to leave. All you need to do is walk out that door. All you need to do is go to your parents' house or wherever to safe haven so you get some time away from that person and then you separate your things. But human beings love familiarity. We don't really like doing things that take more effort, more change, more things that are new to us. Things that are foreign, we don't really like. So even if you didn't have an ultimately good reason for staying all those years, even though I'm sure you probably did, you thought at the time that that was your option, that was your only thing that you could have done. Um. Let's say you didn't and you don't really, really like your reasons. I want you to have compassion for yourself that you're a human being and human beings love familiarity. We like to stay in our cozy, comfortable place and a comfort zone is a comfort zone for a reason. It's easier. It takes less resistance to change, to just stay the same. It's something we're all really bad at. Um, And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's good to just stay the same and be in a comfortable place, not saying it's bad. You shouldn't be always throwing turmoil into your life. But I am saying that if you felt like you were in this for way too long, understand that a lot of people stay in things way too long, whether they're in an abusive relationship or not, whether they're in an eating disorder or not, it's human nature to get really caught into a rut of things. And it actually takes quite a bit of effort to change. And I will say this, for those of you guys out there, you're listening to this podcast, clearly you were trying something to change it. A lot of people don't even consider that possibility and don't even want to attempt to try to change in any way. They don't even see it as a problem. So I just want you to understand how significant that is. Even if you've never fully recovered and hopefully they didn't depress someone when I say that, you can fully recover. I believe everyone can. But let's say that you always, like the, the rules of normal eating, that book, she always says, I walk with a 1% undetectable limp with my eating. It's always like, there's always a little something there. I'm almost normal, but not quite. Let's say you get there. At least you tried, at least you changed and you made some improvement in your life. And I just want to point out that most people don't even try to change. They just get in their ways. They stay in the job that they first had and and they don't necessarily like it. They aren't willing to change things up. They aren't willing to fail. They weren't willing to try. I'm not trying to shame those people for that, but I'm just trying to tell you how significant it is that you have tried to change in some sort of fashion. The fact that you're listening to this podcast means that you were trying to get some sort of help. You're trying to um, deviate from the norm of what your life is. That is huge. That takes a lot of effort. And it's not always pleasant. It's kind of uncomfortable, honestly, to take a change, to like take a leap of faith. The people that work with me, the people that join my program, it is a leap of faith, right? You don't know what you're going to get. It's like scary. You're trying something new. You don't know if it's going to work. That takes so much discomfort for the brain to go through and it helps you, helps you grow. But there's a reason why a lot of people don't leave their eating disorders or their abusive relationships. I'm not saying that they like it, but I am saying that sometimes it feels easier to stay in the mess that you're in versus changing it altogether. It feels overwhelming. It feels like you can't do it. It feels too hard. It feels like you are just better off this way or you don't have the capability. So have some compassion for yourself there. If you're feeling guilty for not leaving, that. Um, I would invite you to think about those things. The last thing I'll say is that um, this person also said eating normally is something that's a basic life skill. Like other people are buying homes, they are um, traveling, they're having kids, they're, they're getting married. And I understand where that person's coming from, but I want to point out that eating, sure, it's a basic life skill, but a lot of people are very bad at it. Like people that don't have, like technically you would probably qualify them as disordered eating or eating disordered. Um, They have problems with food still, but they just don't care. They don't notice it normal people, I'd say the average person has some sort of issue with food. We're in a new society. We have so much more food than we've ever been used to. We're also much more sedentary than we've ever been used to. And we're also constantly overstimulated with social media, bombarded with images of people that don't actually look like what their image looks like Um, and pretending to do all these things with food and, and fitness that they don't actually do or they do with a whole heap of drugs assisting them or something We have a lot of problems in our society when it comes to food, eating normally. I think a lot of people struggle to eat normally more than they let on, more than what people think. We're no longer in that simple hunter-gatherer society where you just eat when you have food and you stop when you don't, or you just eat the food when it's available and then you share with your tribe. Like that's not the world we live in. And I think it's very hard to navigate that world. And most people struggle amongst everything else that we have to do. People probably go through phases of poor eating, especially when lives get busier. We think we tell ourselves, oh, this is just a basic thing everyone does. And I'm the weird one for not figuring it out. No, I think a lot of people have issues with food that they just don't talk about. And me being a coach, I talk with people with food issues all the time. I am, and I've had food issues myself. I am much more in tune now when I see people, when I meet people, I talk to them I can tell there's some things going on that they just don't talk about, that they just deal with, or they aren't even aware that it's an issue, but they're doing it all the same. It's normal to struggle with food. Is it a good thing? No. Should it be normal? No. But it's not necessarily a basic skill. It's a basic, if it is a basic skill, it's a basic skill a lot of people struggle with. So I don't want you to shame yourself thinking you can't get it together with food. Everyone else can. No, that's that's simply not true. Also those people who are, buying houses or they have their dream job or they're have they're getting married, I guarantee you, they have their own issues going on. There's something that they're struggling with. And it's not that you should feel good about yourself because someone else is struggling, but I just want to, you know, let you in on the secret that everyone has something weird going on. We're all weirdos. I replied to a comment in my group the other day. Someone was like, sorry, I'm such a weirdo. And I was like, you are a weirdo, but so am I. Like, we're all weirdos. Um, but I, I fall into that trap too, thinking, oh, this person's perfect. They have it all together. No, they don't. My dad said something to me that helped me a lot when I was younger because my family, um, I grew up in, a—I had a great childhood for a lot of reasons, but there were problems, um, a lot of fighting and stuff like that going on and just a lot of uh, necessary extra help needed for that. And it felt like all the time, like we aren't normal. I wish I had a normal family is what I told myself a lot when I was growing up. And then my dad said, You know, I know that we struggle sometimes and our family is definitely not normal, but no one other family is. Every family has their weird issues. And I do definitely think that's true. And especially if as a grown up, it seems like every single person has some sort of issue that they grew up with at their family. It's almost as if that's supposed to happen. That's the thing. I, I think Brooke Castillo recently said that actually. She's like, It's almost as if we aren't meant to grow up with normal childhoods. So, all the being said, just because like, you think that you're the only one struggling, you're not. There are a lot of people struggling. A lot of people are not normal. They're struggling with basic life skills. And generally, most people can't keep up everything all at the same time. People generally have that one area that they struggle with, that one vice. So um, yeah, this podcast episode unraveled a little bit, but hopefully that helped you guys out if you're feeling guilty. You didn't just walk into bulimia willingly, even if you did. Let's say that that was your story. Even if you were like, I'm going to be bulimic now. Um You probably did it again because you thought that was the option that you had, the best option for you. You were going into it under maybe some false beliefs or some beliefs that at least don't work for you anymore. So give yourself some compassion today. Forgive yourself a little bit except that that time has been what it has been. You're allowed to feel sad about it, but I really recommend that you don't shame yourself for it and you don't feel guilty about it because you really can't change it. And you did what you did because you thought that that was your best choice. And you know better now, you can change now, but you can't change the past. Um, And also... Eating normally is a basic skill, but a lot of people struggle with it. So it's not just you and it's not that easy, clearly. Um, Okay. I'm going to let you guys go. If you like this episode, you found it helpful, highly recommend that you check out my group coaching program. It is $60 per month, super affordable. I I know. And like for a group coaching program where I talk to you on a weekly basis, Awesome program to get one-on-one feedback and advice going on with you and your bulimia recovery, as well as a whole host of video modules to help you um, overcome binging, eat intuitively, even if you struggle with overeating, compulsive eating, amongst other things. And the community and the Facebook group is phenomenal. They are just a group of wonderful, supportive beautiful people. So I can't say enough about that group. If you were interested in that, definitely go check it out. Also, if you were interested in more intense help outside of group coaching, you would like a private coach instead. You want someone to help you side-by-side, guide you weekly on your journey to recovery. I do offer one-on-one private coaching. I do have some availability right now. So you can just go to my website at bingebakers.com for all that info and apply for the consult. We'll talk for about an hour um, usually, and we'll talk about what's going on with you. I'll give you some advice and feedback on what you can do right now. And then we can talk about whether coaching is a good fit for you or not. So yeah, there's all those things going on. Highly recommend you go check them both out if you need some more support and you can relate to me. Um, That's usually a good sign that we would work well together. Okay, thank you all for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Um, if you didn't see on my Instagram, I went and joined a running group last week. That was really scary because uh, I'm an introvert, so I don't like I. <laughs> literally literally before the running group i had the urge to just not get out of my car and drive away but i did it took a deep breath got out of there i was the slowest runner in the group but i really enjoyed it it got me and i didn't listen to headphones because i didn't know if i'd be talking with people but i just ran into kind of silence in the gentle morning and i got to see people and talk to people so i'm doing a really good job of meeting people in my own town and if you're struggling with that then maybe you could join some meetup groups as well it's been very helpful for me so that's what i'm up to otherwise um it's spooky season. And I'm really enjoying that. I'm watching spooky movies as much as I possibly can and looking up costumes and makeup tutorials. That's what, that's how I enjoyed my spooky season. Okay. Talking too much at this point, I'll let you guys go. Never give up on yourself, my friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being there. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend wherever you are. Goodbye.